Uh, well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who have not met me before, my name is Andrew, as you would have heard a bit earlier. Uh, and for those who I've had the privilege uh, of meeting before, it is really exciting to be able to come back uh, each time to be able to open up God's Word and uh, uh, share God's Word and what we've learnt. Uh, and today's no different. It is really exciting to be able to come back, uh, and particularly come back and take a look at Psalm 20. We've been working our way through this series of Psalms. Uh, and the last couple of weeks... Uh, we've seen uh, lament and we're seeing the outcry of anguish and it is really exciting to be able to end uh, the series of the Psalms uh, in victory. Uh, and well, I have to admit uh, that when it comes to music, uh, I really love uh, a great uh, anthem song, uh, the sort of music that celebrates triumph and victory. Uh, and I know that I'm not alone. Uh, over the years, you've had the hits. You've had Queens, uh, We Are the Champions, uh, Rocky's Eye of the Tiger, uh, Tina Turner's You're Simply the Best. Uh, not one of my favourites, but you know, for many people out there it is. Uh, and Elson John's I'm Still Standing. Uh, these might not be your favourites, they're certainly not my favourites, but I love a great song that celebrates triumph uh, and victory. And for me, uh, we're about to play... Uh, what would have to be my all-time favourite piece of music that just inspires victory and triumph and gives me goosebumps whenever I listen to it. It might be a little bit left field, but this is it for me. Now, if technology works. Does anybody know the movie and the music? Gretel. Sorry? Oh, uh, well, the movie is actually Excalibur. Uh, but the, mu the song, the piece of music is O Fortuna. Uh, I remember finding that movie when I was a kid and then that song came on when the knights were charging and battle. I played a few times. For me, that was awesome. And whenever I played rugby, I used to put my headphones on and listen to that song before I'd charge out into the field and we'd get completely smashed. <laughs> Uh, but I love that song. I love a great song of triumph and victory. And if, as we turn to Psalm 20 today, that's what we come across. One of ancient Israel's great songs of victory and triumph. Uh, a song that was meant to be sung by the people of God throughout the ages. And we're going to dive into this psalm and see the victory and the triumph and the emotion of this psalm as we open up God's word. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. Then we'll turn to Psalm uh, 20 and uh, go from there. But let me pray and give thanks for God and his word. Lord God, we want to thank you, Father, for the great gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for the hope of salvation that we have through him. We want to thank you, Father, for the great gift of your word, 
the way that we come to know you, come to know the truth of your Son. We come to know your great plan of salvation. Lord, we want to thank you that you speak to us through your word about your Son. We pray today as we open up Psalm 20, your Spirit will be at work in our hearts, helping us to understand it, to feel it, Lord, uh, and to uh, embrace uh, the message that you are teaching us through Psalm 20. We pray this for your glory. Amen. Uh, Now, uh, as I get older, I've become a little bit more, for better or for worse, a task-focused kind of person, uh, which means I tend to get to the point a lot more. And if you want to get to the point of Psalm 20, if you want to summarize it in just one sentence, it would be this. Psalm 20 is a prophetic psalm celebrating the victory of Christ over sin and death and Satan. Psalm 20 is a prophetic psalm celebrating the victory of Christ over sin and death and Satan. And we're going to see that as we open up Psalm 20 and look at it from two different directions. Uh, as we look at it, uh, as we look uh, forward and as we look at it backwards. Uh, what I mean is we're first going to dive into the psalm looking at it from the author's perspective, looking forward to what he had in mind and what he was looking for and uh, looking out for as he wrote the psalm. Uh, and then we're going to, uh, secondly, we're going to read the psalm from our Christian Uh, our Christian 2021 perspective, looking back at the psalm and asking the question, where do we fit into that psalm? What does that mean for us today? Uh, How do we read it uh, from our 2021 uh, uh, direction? Uh, And as we see, as we look at it from the two different directions, from the author's perspective looking forward and from our 2021 perspective looking back, we're going to see that the psalm, Psalm 20, uh, from both directions is celebrating the victory of Christ over sin and death and Satan. And so with that in mind, if you've, uh, let's uh, begin by opening up Psalm 20. And we're going to begin actually by looking at it from the author's perspective. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. Uh, I'm going to set the scene initially. Uh, um, it's a very visual psalm and it helps to be able to visualize what's going on. So if you've got a psalm, uh, the Bible, open up to Psalm 20 and we'll look at it from the author's perspective, 3,000 years ago. Uh, And and when you open it up and take a look at verse 1 to 5 in particular, uh, what you see is, uh, well, the people of God have gathered together in one place. Uh, They've covered together in one place uh, at the sanctuary, uh, probably on the eve of battle. Uh, Now, the sanctuary, where the people of God are now gathered around the sanctuary, the sanctuary is just where you go to, to meet with God. Uh, it is where the presence of God lives on earth. And over, over, the, over the centuries, uh, back in ancient Israel, the sanctuary took on a few different forms. Uh, for a while, the sanctuary was just a fancy tent that they carried around with them. After King Solomon, the sanctuary became the temple of God. For us today, the sanctuary is Jesus Christ. Uh, and we're not told in the psalm uh, which sanctuary he's talking about. Was it the tents before the temple was built? Was it the temple itself? We just know that the people of God have come together on the eve of battle at the sanctuary uh, to pray for the king who is about to go into battle on their behalf. And out the front of the people, as they're gathered there, they're standing back a little bit, watching on. uh, And in front of the people of God at the sanctuary, in verse 6, is the king standing there by himself in front of the people, representing the people, interceding with God and offering a sacrifice And as we're going to see, 
Well, the identity of the king is actually kept vague the whole time. Uh, you might remember the old ad from years ago, this man is a dentist so he can't show his face. It's the same thing going on here. This is a king standing out in front and you can't see his face. His identity is deliberately vague. Uh, and it's a bit like, um, uh, we can't quite see. So in other Psalms, uh, we know that this is a Psalm written by David. So the question in our mind is, is this supposed to be David or not? But whenever you see David's name in the title of a psalm and he's talking about himself, well, he often talks about himself. He makes it clear that uh, in the psalm that it's him that he has in mind when he uses, I pray for this and I pray for that. Here the king is vague. His identity is vague. So you're left wondering the whole time, who is this king? Who are we watching? And I think it's deliberately vague. Uh, We're meant to be asking the whole time as we celebrate the victory of this king, who is this king? Who are we looking forward to? And so with this big picture of mind, God's people gathered at the sanctuary, standing back as the king stands at the front, interceding with God and offering a sacrifice. With that picture in mind, let's turn back and work our way now through the psalm, verse by verse, beginning with uh, verse 1, where the people of God are standing back at a distance watching on as the, uh, to the king. And in verse 1, as the people of God watch on, they pray. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. The you here is the king. The people are talking to the king. May the Lord answer you, the king, when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory. Lift up our banners in the name of the Lord. May the Lord grant all your requests. So on the eve of battle, as the battle is approaching And as the king stands in front of the people in the sanctuary of God, interceding with God, the only role that the people of God, that the people of God have here is to stand back and watch and to pray for their king. And in verse 5, they shout for joy over the victory of the king. Uh, You see, you need to picture what's going on here. You need to picture a David and Goliath type battle scene. Uh, with David out the front of God's people, the people standing back and the David out the front representing the people going out to fight on behalf of the people and the people of God standing back at a distance looking on, watching with their fate tied up in the victory of the king. See, the king's victory will be their victory. The king is going out to battle on behalf of the people. That's what's going on in this psalm as the people watch on. In verse 6, take a look at verse 6. Like David before Goliath, uh, the king from uh, in in verse 6 has no doubt that he will be victorious. God will give him the victory. And as the people uh, behind him pray for the king and as he offers his sacrifice to God, in verse 6, the king declares, Now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from the heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. So as he stands before God at the sanctuary, offering his sacrifice on the eve of battle, he knows, he is confident, he has the assurance that he will be victorious. The Lord will 
deliver him. And from verse 7 to the end, the attention turns back to the people of God and they take up the cry again. Uh, And the focus returns to the people of God as they uh, say, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, the people of God, trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. So this psalm, this Psalm 20, is all about the people of God looking forward to the coming victory of the king. And they celebrate. This is a triumphant praise, uh, song of praise that celebrates the victory of the king. And when you remember who is writing this, you remember who is writing this song of victory for the king, well, it's easy to know, to understand how he wrote it looking forward to the coming victory of Christ. He may not have the person of Jesus Christ in his mind, but he was looking forward to that coming anointed king, that anointed Christ, who would be God's anointed, who will deliver God's people in victory. You see, right at the start of the psalm, uh, in the title we're told it's a psalm of David. And when you know a little bit of David, well, that about King David, well, that name carries with it a lot of meaning, a lot of baggage, a lot of good baggage. Uh, when you need to have in the back of your mind as we read this psalm. And in particular, see, when, what we need to remember is that when King David first became uh, king of uh, Israel, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, God made him a promise that fundamentally shaped the way David looked to the future fundamentally shaped what he expected and what he was looking forward to in the future. In fact, uh, follow on with me as we take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, uh, and you'll see what I mean, how, how uh, God's promise fundamentally shaped the way David looked to the future. See, just after he became king, God said this to him, 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, When your days are over... And you rest with your ancestors. I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish his kingdom forever. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. So just after King David became the king of Israel, God promised that one day he would raise up one of his descendants and establish his kingdom forever. One of the descendants of David, his kingdom will be the one established forever. So David knew that one day he would die, that he would fade away. But one of his descendants, well, his kingdom would be established forever. His is the one that would never be destroyed, never be defeated. He is the one who would rule. His kingdom is the one that would rule forever. And this is the promise that David fundamentally shaped the way David looked to the future, looked forward to the coming of that king, the day when his descendants' kingdom would rule forever. An anointed king would have an unshakable, forever bond with God, a king whose kingdom would never fail a king who will go into battle in Psalm 12 and defeat the enemy of the people of God with the victorious power of the Lord. And so in verse 20, King David is looking forward to that day, 
looking forward to this forever king who would win the victory for God's people. A king who would defeat all of our enemies, all of our foes, and bring us safely and establish the kingdom of God forever. And the people of God, in Psalm 20, stand back and celebrate the victory of this king. So in other words, Psalm 20 is a prophetic psalm looking forward to the day this king would come in victory and save and rescue and deliver God's people on their behalf. This is how we read the psalm from the author's perspective. The coming of a king who would save God's people in victory. Now the thing is, as we stop here now, we're going to change directions. We're going to now start looking at the psalm from our uh, 2021 Christian perspective, looking back on the psalm from our perspective. And it turns out as we do that, as we look back in time 3,000 years ago and read the psalm from our perspective, what we discover is you end up reading the psalm in exactly the same way. Nothing changes. You see, for us today, uh, as we read the psalm and ask, where do we fit into the psalm? Well, we have to see ourselves as the people of God standing there behind the king, the one standing there watching on as the king makes his sacrifice before God at the sanctuary. Uh, We're the one singing and celebrating his victory in song. And so for us today, as we read the psalm, we have only one anointed king. There is only one king who rules God's creation, who has been victorious, and that king is our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so for us, we end up in exactly the same place when we read the psalm from our perspective, looking back. And so Psalm 20 is timeless. For those who live before Jesus, they look forward to the coming of a king who would win the battle on behalf of God's people and bring them victory, and we look back to the day Christ won that victory for God's people on our behalf. And so Psalm 20 is timeless. Written by King David 3,000 years ago for all of God's people to sing and to celebrate together throughout the ages. For 3,000 years, the people of God are able to sing this psalm together with one voice. And for me, that is a really powerful, encouraging and awesome image to keep in mind. As I picture myself in the psalm, standing in the crowd, standing back with the crowd behind the king, watching on as the king makes his sacrifice to God, interceding with God. I love the idea that I'm standing there in amongst all of God's people celebrating throughout history, standing there with Abraham and Moses, standing there with Jeremiah and Elijah, with Peter and Paul, uh, standing there with Cornelius and Pam and Gretel and Jane and Tim. Uh, for, For me, this is such an encouraging, powerful image to see all of us as the people of God celebrating the victory of the King. And as I picture this image, this timeless image of the people of God celebrating, for me, There are so many things I learned from this and take away from this and am really encouraged by it. Firstly, it reminds me that it is all about the king. 
It is all about Jesus. The centre of our salvation, of our victory, is Jesus. And it has always been Jesus. The centre of and, and focus of our worship as we come together as God's people to sing and to pray and to celebrate has always been the King, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And in a lot of ways, as we continue to come together each week like this as God's people to, to pray, to sing, to celebrate, we're still acting out Psalm 20. We're still coming together to celebrate the victory of God. For 3,000 years, we are continuing that image that is going on in Psalm 20 in a very real and powerful way. And that is so encouraging and exciting for me when I picture that. And secondly, because this image of Christ's victory was written long before Jesus was ever born, it reminds me that God has always been in control. The victory of the king was never in doubt. It has always been God's plan from the beginning of creation. It has always been God's plan to save his people through our king. It's always been God's plan to save his people in a David and Goliath type way with the people of God standing back, watching on as the king alone went into battle for God's people winning the victory and the salvation for God's people. On our behalf, it has always been God's plan for the king's victory to be our victory. Our part in God's great plan of salvation is to just come together as God's people, like we do each week, and to praise and to celebrate and to give thanks for the great victory of Christ one for the people of God over sin and death and Satan. And the New Testament describes this as being saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And thirdly, see the sacrifice, as we, as we take a look at verse 3, the sacrifice offered by the king, the sacrifice offered by Christ, that was acceptable to God. Well, we understand that standing from our perspective, this side of the cross, we understand that sacrifice was himself on the cross. See, the cross is where Jesus went into battle on behalf of God's people. Went into battle like David before Goliath. It's where Jesus destroyed the power of sin and death and Satan and brought victory for his people. His resurrection is his triumph, his victory. The resurrection of Jesus is our resurrection and victory. Uh, and have a listen to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, at how the cross is Christ's victory. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ having forgiven us all our sins, having cancelled the record of debt that stood, uh, stood against us and condemned us, this has been taken away, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the victory of Christ over sin and death and Satan happened at the cross, and his victory is our victory. 
The victory Jesus won for us, triumphing over the enemies of God, triumphing over uh, the, the, the powers and dominions that kept us enslaved of sin and death and Satan had been defeated and destroyed at the cross. And the resurrection is his public triumph. This victory, King David, this is the victory King David was looking forward to in Psalm 20. This is the victory we all celebrate together as the people of God. And so as we come together like this each week, can I encourage us to now change the way we view church? Change the way we view our coming together. See, as the year goes on, uh, if history is anything to go by, as the year goes on, life will get busy. It's going to get hard. It will be challenging. And some of us, me included, might be tempted to start seeing church as a hassle, as a chore when life gets difficult. Some of us might be tempted to see church as not that important. It's just another task that we tick off as we go through the week, just another thing we do each, each week uh, that we're free to opt in and opt out of as, as life kind of permits us and, and uh, as we feel like it. But as we take a look at the year ahead and take a look at the psalm behind us that we've just studied, can I encourage us to start seeing church differently? Seeing church as a timeless powerful, ancient expression of Psalm 20. To see ourselves, even today, as part of God's eternal and ancient, uh, timeless people of God who come together to celebrate the victory and triumph of our King over, uh, over the enemies of sin and death and Satan. See, church is a chance for us to continue living out Psalm 20, celebrating the victory of the King. And as we do that, I think that fundamentally changes how we come to church, why we come to church. And for me, that is such an encouraging image. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you for the great plan of salvation that you have always had through your son, Jesus Christ, our King, our Lord, our Saviour. We want to thank you, Father, that it has always been your plan to save us, to deliver us through the cross. Lord, we want to thank you for the willingness of Jesus to go into battle on our behalf, to sacrifice himself to make atonement for us, Lord. We want to thank you for Jesus and all that he's done. We pray, Father, that as we come together as your people, we will continue to celebrate and remember and give thanks for the great victory you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for that great image. Uh, in your son's name, amen.